0: Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color.
1: This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life.
0: So hello. All right, we've got a special um, guest with us today for, um, for our podcast. We've got uh, Rhonda Homwe mm-hmm. is with us. And... Um, Rhonda and I, so for those of you, there's some that know, others that don't, but I practiced Islam for six years, and all of you know that I'm a huge religion junkie. So um, I met Rhonda, and she's doing some amazing work with exegesis of the Quran, and I think it's really, really beautiful, and I just read a draft of a book that she's been working on for a while. So I want, um, I want her to have an opportunity to share some of her ideas with us. And um, and I think we're going to so the first section, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that you found in this work that you're doing. So she's using a lexicon that is the oldest lexicon of Arabic. So it was published just 300 years after the Prophet Muhammad died. Mm -hmm. So it's the oldest lexicon that we have. So her exegesis method is really, really simple. It's just going through the Arabic and looking these words up in the lexicon. Um, and, and and trying to sort of pull it back, right? Because language is always moving forward. Um, and in her book, there's a section where she she quotes some lines from Beowulf, for example, and we can't understand this at all. It is completely unintelligible, even for a linguist like myself to be able to look at that. It's very, very difficult. Um, with some of my knowledge of Dutch... Because that's can like pull Old few...
1: English or something? Yes. Right. Yeah.
0: And so with some of my language of Dutch, which pulls on the German, like, you know, between all of that, I can sometimes pick a word or two out. But it's very, very difficult, right? Um, and... Uh, And one of the things that she talks about in the book too is that the Quran keeps Arabic alive and Arabic keeps the Quran alive, right? So they're sort of in this pull, but the language is moving forward. And 1400 some odd years of people imposing their interpretations onto things, then we end up up narrowing language down instead of opening language up, right? And this is something that is a problem in every traditional, house this is a problem with every every
1: religion for
0: every wisdom tradition for every religion Um, this is a problem just in regular communication right Right. we're seeing this as part of um, the sort of shutting down and the polarization is that we're locking language down and getting these really narrow definitions and then we're hurling them at one another Um, and so I just I really love um, Rhonda's work and how she's O- using this to, to open the to open the language back up, right, um, and start looking at all these different facets. So, um, can I
1: ask a couple of, like just quick vocabulary questions? So, a lexicon, what is that exactly?
0: Good question.
2: It's a dictionary. Okay, mm-hmm. that so gives it's... you that gives you the word and uh, the origin of the word actually. Oh, okay. You know how it started out. Gotcha. So it and... tells you like the root of the word would be a verb in Arabic oh like in the dictionary verb. they
1: say like where it came from like what the
2: word yes, yes, it it yes. okay right. gotcha, and, gotcha. And, and examples of how people use it at the time gotcha. yeah
0: and so oh this reminds me too because another piece of the way that you're working through this is to use the lexicon and then mm-hmm. basically a concordance so she'll you look for where those words are showing up in the Qur'an, right. in what no, context. Right. It's,
2: it's, yeah, it's within context, of course. Of the yeah, so that yeah. way
0: she can, that's how she's zeroing in on, no, this is what this meant, because it's always used in this way. Mm-hmm. So this particular interpretation doesn't fit the Qur'anic use of this word, right?
2: Like the, the, the Qur'anic use would validate what the lexicon is saying.
0: Okay, yeah, so using those two tools to mm-hmm. sort of validate Together. things. Right. So um, we were talking right before we turned the mic on. We had so much <laughs> conversation. <It was> like <laughs> We talked for an hour before we turned the mic on and it was so wonderful and juicy, but um, I hope that some of that is infused as you're listening now. But uh, I think for this first segment, um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about the definition the lexiconic and Quranic definition of Islam, mm-hmm. um, and how very different that is than what people normally think of when they think of Islam, including Muslims. So I think this is um, the message is very powerful within the the Muslim community. Um, but there's so much beauty here that I think all of us can benefit from that. So yeah. So what did you find out the the actual definition of Islam? Yeah. Is?
2: Well, I mean. Uh... Most people don't know what Islam is, including Muslims, unfortunately, uh, because uh, we've been relying on uh, our own interpretation of things. Uh, our, we seek being distinctive, and so, for example, if you asked a Muslim what is Islam, he would he would immediately think of it's my way of doing it, because it's uh, it doesn't uh, gain a universal uh, aspect from 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 uh, people. These days at all uh, islam is quite a universal um uh, peaceable state of being the lexicon tells us that word for word it says islam is an unimpaired peaceable state of being based on accountability and this is very important because it's not based on doctrine it's right. based on personal accountability and you know most people don't know many muslims would probably but um most others don't, is that uh, we do share the Ten Commandments in so many faiths. Islam certainly shares that with the Judeo-Christian faith. Uh, So the Ten Commandments are in the Quran, and they're listed one by one, and they're almost identical. So when you talk about accountability, it would be related to life, the preservation of life, the importance of life. Uh, It would be related to... uh, People's um, ownership of, of whatever they own, possessions—you know—that nobody's allowed to steal, nobody's allowed to, you know, all those things, uh, all the do-nots, basically. <laughs> so yeah, so accountability is what we teach our children, and whether it's related to faith or not, it's so important in our lives to teach them accountability. So to have accountability, even what I what I see is that it should not be related to faith.
0: So I was gonna say, I think. When most people and especially people that are outside of traditional houses of worship, Mm -hmm. if they hear someone talking about God and accountability, then they probably get images of this like people's, you know,
2: of kneeling in the church or, or prostrating in the mosque. They get right. they get a visual of somebody actually worshiping. You have to do what the priests tell you. Right,
0: right, the, like blind obedience. But you're you're ta- yeah. You're not talking about blind obedience no. here, and you spend a lot of time on that. So mm. talk a little bit more about when you say accountability. What does that mean for you? What kind of accountability would you see? Have, are you seeing in this work and um, that's going to bring you to that peaceable state?
2: Yeah, it's basically it's it's human accountability to, to other humans. That's what it is. That's basically what accountability is. It's your accountability vis-à-vis other people, their rights, their freedoms, their uh... and to yourself as well. Of course, you're accountable to yourself, but but the most important thing is being accountable to others. And mm-hmm. it's really
0: interesting to I think mean, about it's that. Not you're accountable to others. It's not your
1: accountability. That's interesting. That's interesting because when you read that, I actually interpreted it a little differently. I thought of you know being in this this peaceable state. Um, where you're accepting of yourself and others and you're accountable Um, you're you're doing to me uh, in that context it remind me of the kind of accountability where you do the right thing because it's the right thing because that's something you know intrinsically within yourself you know you know when you're Doing something that is right, or when you're, you know, oh, trying see. to get when away you, with when something, you, when you started
0: going against the, the boundaries of your own value system, right? It's yeah. following
1: your own conscience. That's what that's what that's how I interpret it. Accountability. Yes. Well, well, that
2: that is ultimately what you you'll be doing. But you are accountable to society, to the society mm-hmm. you live in. I mean, they have a right to tell you you did this wrong. If you see what I mean. So right. it's you're you're mm-hmm. accountable to the social, uh, you know, structure that yeah. you're in.
0: Which is so different from if we think about how a lot of people, again, that are outside of traditional religion are looking at this. Um, <sighs> there's, you know, um, there's a lot of people that seem to think that being accountable to God means in, like enforcing their ideas on other people, mm-hmm. that being accountable to God means shutting other people out, that being accountable to God means telling other people how wrong they are. And that, that's not what I'm hearing you say. I'm hearing no. you say accountability is respecting the rights of others.
2: Yes, it is. That's, that's exactly what it is. Because when you talk about God, you could call him God or Allah or whatever name. Most people don't know that uh, uh, Christian Arabs and Jewish Arabs call God Allah too. Yes. Uh, and for example, in, in, in Malta, uh, which is uh, uh, a, a Roman Catholic um, island they they call god uh, allah and they fast lent but they call lent ramadan <laughs> i you did know, not know that so close oh. to ramadan so i mean it's, it's just words that we use which should not be drawing us apart just because they are they sound foreign as words so so when we say allah we mean we mean god the creator um so yes, uh, your question was about uh, accountability to each other, right?
0: That accountability is really about. I'm hearing you say that accountability right. is about so respecting other people's rights. You, if,
2: no, I mean even if you if you want to say that I'm accountable to God, then if God to you is the creator, then your accountability would be to everything He created.
0: Right.
2: So to His creation. Which includes well, you and everyone else. everyone else, and the plants, right? And but the if animals, you don't see him and as a creator, if you don't air. see him as a, if you see him as an authoritarian figure hmm. that is sort of like dictating things upon you, then you would maybe want to, you know, be a dictator too and dictate things hmm. upon others the way he's dictating things upon you. Mm. Right. And and that, that boils down to something, you know, which is even even deeper in, in our in our in our consciousness, right or wrong, which is about is God a pre planner who has sort of like pre planned everything that we have to go through and then it's gonna happen willy nilly, whether we like it or not, or do we have a free will? Right. So it, it's all interrelated, integrated, it it's really, is. really it's really Something which is so difficult to, to pull the strands apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because if you pull this strand apart, you know, out, then so much comes out with it.
0: Yeah. Mm.
2: And so the Quran, the way uh, I'm reading it uh, with the uh, lexicons, shows us that there is no such thing as pre-written or that Allah or God has pre-planned what we do. What we do is just our choice and that is why we're accountable or else there would be no accountability
0: right which actually god, makes
2: right? sense because if god pre-planned everything
1: else don't you think it'd be a lot more organized <laughs> 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 i mean the world's an awfully messy place <laughs> i think i think god could do
0: better <laughs> that's a very good point <laughs> I love that. it's that's making good me point. think too to, of um Uh, and this is that sort of interplay between uh things, because there are verses about what God has has for you, no one can take away, right? Um, so which is, you know, to sort of like help you kind of calm down and not get freaked out that stuff is, you know, like if it's yours, it can't be taken away from you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the um Marianne Williamson has a beautiful explanation of what she calls divine compensation. Mm -hmm. And um we can put this in the show notes. She, um, she has an interview with Oprah Winfrey and Oprah is asking her a question about forgiveness, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she talks about divine compensation and basically says that there are these things that are for us that are sort of like files on our hard drive, right? That has been aside, set aside for us. No one can take it from us, but we can block receiving it through lack of forgiveness, hatred, anger, resentment, things like this. Those are the things that shut the door of the heart so that we're not able to bring it back. So if we if we ha- if it looks like something is coming to us, a job, a partner, money, whatever, right? If it looks like something's coming to us and it looks like someone took that away, then we have this anger, right? We feel betrayed, we have resentment, but it's trusting that if that was ours, that the divine has some infinite pathways to bring that back to us, but we have to keep the door open. Does that make sense? So so it's one of those things where you see sort of, one of those places where I see an interplay between free will and predestination. Like, like you could, it's saying, yes, there are things that are set aside for you, but it's your choice whether or not you create the, the the environment that allows that to happen right.
1: there's there's um someone that uh so mike julie is uh someone that i follow too he does the t- note notes notes from the universe oh right. and and his thing is that um you want to keep your your expectations or and i'm not sure if that's even the word he uses but you want to focus on the general things you want you want love you want purpose you want prosperity you know very generalized and and but not to focus on and i have to get it this way so he calls them the cursed house which Mm -hmm. is in order to you know have love i must this person must love me i must have this wonderful relationship with this person and and the point being like you were just saying there's many ways for the universe for Mm. god allah to bring you Mm. um wonderful things
0: Mm. yeah
2: what what I found out from the Quran uh, is that um, there's an ayah which which is repeated and it says something which was mistranslated and that's when people got into the pre-planning attitude so the the, the verse says that um, I'll say it in Arabic if any Arabs are listening in the Rizqa that God extend extends provision to whomever he wills ويقدر. and so you have the first of extending the provision and then he and it says and and that word يقدر is explained by all I mean I'm saying like all like I don't I don't know anybody who explained it differently so I'm just putting that point <laughs> one point you know <laughs> but actually all commentators they explained it that he extends to whomever he wills and he withholds so they have explained it that he withholds from some and extends to some and that whatever your result your provision is that's what you're gonna get and it's all pre-planned and when i looked up when i looked at the lexicon and because i studied Remember what I just told you about the meanings of sounds? Yes. So, and I looked up the meanings, uh, the, the sound, and I said, my goodness, it says with a da sound, with a d sound. How come they are explaining it uh, to withhold? And then I noticed how. They said yaqdir means yaqtir. And they gave another word for that, which is yaqtir. Now yaqtir is in the Quran, and it does mean to withhold, but it's not in this verse. So I went to the lexicon, I looked up the meaning of qadara, which has to do with al-qadar, which has to do with fate, which has to do with all of these things, and it's only one root verb, the root verb qadara, and guess what it means? Qadara is the um, the substance of something, what it is now, and what it can become. Oh, Wow.
1: So, let's, so give us the whole verse then with the So the whole verse would say
2: that indeed God mm-hmm, gives or extends provision to whomever he wills and he gives potential.
0: So it's the original provision and what you can make of it.
2: So exactly. So whatever you get <laughs> is not everything you're going to get it has the potential to reach and, and, the, and the, mm. the word says that it reaches its, It could reach its maximum. So right. it's like God gives you this and more. And it's maximum. <laughs> but what right. do you have to do now?
0: Work it. Yeah, yeah you have work to work it. it. Work mm. it. We have spent so many podcasts on growth <laughs> mindset versus fixed mindset. So, and this yeah. is
2: amazing because you know what has happened? What has happened, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always feeling, I mean, my heart um, feels sorrow for people who don't know this, because Mm. when, especially, you know, young Muslims who are now seeking their potential, and then they find a block in front of their faces, whether they are refugees, whether they are, you know, uh, hindered in their own countries, whether whatever is happening to them, they feel like a block in front of them, like a a stone wall, and they cannot cross, and they say, well, this is what God sent me. He said, Mm. he said he's going to, he said he's going to extend to some, and close it in front of my face, and I'm the one in front mm. of whose face it's closed. And I feel such sorrow for people like that who don't know that it's not the explanation of the verse. Right. The verse says he gives, and he gives the potential. Right. Yeah. So, so something can reach its maximum. Only look beyond, you know, whatever's in front of you or seek other paths, which is why now, you know, I, I really would like to speak to them, to speak to everybody, especially the youth, not just the Muslim youth, our youth, the American youth, all the youth who are feeling hindered, who are feeling... That there's a you know stone wall a brick wall that actually it's not a wall at all it's only in your imagination what you have can reach its utmost just
1: work it right so what you've really done here with this book is you've gone back to an an the earliest version of the quran and and gone through it and really looked at what it really means and given like, a very true right. definition and right. translated it um, in
2: its truest form. Which is why you'd find, I mean, that's the way I see it. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the way it was, but that's that's why you would find, for example, uh, the progress which the Muslims uh, uh, had in Andalusia and Spain. Yeah. I mean, they were the first people to have, let's say, um. We 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 call them today uh, lunatic asylums. What do you call them? <laughs> the bad word. The bad word for them.
0: What do you call? That would them? have been psychiatric. Okay. Hospitals. Okay. Yeah. But
2: I mean, some people call them, <laughs> Yeah. Madhouses. <laughs> that, that's the bad word, which is what which is what they called now. Now, now you find people saying, "Oh, you know that that person is, is, is a lunatic. That person is, for example, um, uh, he's been ridden by 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 uh, by, by demons." Uh, by, by by Satan himself, by, And you find so much superstition these days uh, amongst people, and it's, it's it's amazing. Whereas that very same thing, that very same you know um, position in which a sick person would be, you know, was called uh, during the, uh, in Andalusian. the Andalusian times. It was it was called uh, an affliction of the of the soul. That's you know those right. same bad words which we use today you know that that guy's crazy that guy's I don't know what that guy's uh, I don't know I, I'm sure that in America today you don't have many people who believe in, in, in demons and and, and and things like that anymore <laughs> you know I think there's more than, <laughs> there, there <laughs> than are. some people think yeah. but
0: but and there's because um, there, I know that there's an Arabic word called the work uh, called the purification of the heart. And I'm forgetting the the oh, author. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: that is uh, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Hamza Yusuf did an interpretation. Was it Khazali? Al Khazali.
2: There's another one. Yeah. Okay. So there's yeah. It, yeah. So there's a there's as as an well.
0: English, um, but it but the interpretation I. of
2: the heart. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah.
0: So it, and and is that that's addressing those sort of afflictions, right? Seeing it from that uh, perspective of.
2: I don't know. If, okay. If, if, if they go to the um, linguistics of it, because very few people are going to the linguistics of it they are actually going to uh, ancient texts and explaining the texts. But very few people are going to the linguistics. Okay. And I believe that our way out of all our problems are going to the what the Arabic word originally meant. So
1: tell us, you told Jacqueline and I before we started recording, but for our listeners, explain about each sound
2: having a, a particular meaning in Arabic and how that works. Mm. So Arabic is one of the most ancient languages uh, and it goes back to uh, our, our ancient ancient predecessors, the first cognizant humans who would be using a sound to mean something and uh, every sound in the Arabic language still retains its meaning uh, which has been also compiled in a book uh, by a man called Ibn Jini. uh and he tells us what those meanings are. So for example you would have let's say um the word uh, the sound sorry uh the, the m sound mm, and that sound comes by pursing your lips together so it what it means is to gather uh, you would have the A ah sound uh, which comes from uh, the echo being you know returning to you it's the only sound that if you say it out loud it will reverberate uh so the A ah is return so and, and and the sounds in Arabic are like that. Um, each each one would mean something, uh, which is why um, I think that every child says "mama" no matter where that child is from, because what they're actually saying is "come back to me," which is the return the ah, and the um is to gather me. So gather me, uh, hug me, come back to me, mama, mama. You know, it's it's a, it's a natural huh. sound which the child. Yeah, um, comes up with. I was
0: actually talking about this with some people this week about the holiness of sound. Right, this mm-hmm. is something that, uh, like, in in a lot of the traditions that are in India, they're they're also very aware of this. Mm-hmm. Right, so chanting is a big part of their practice. And um, but and there's a I was telling someone about the film. I believe it's called The Spelling Bee, with um, Richard Gere. So there's another one that has like, uh, I think it's Morgan Freeman in the lead role. Um, but this is with Richard Gere in the, in the lead role. And he plays um, a, uh, what is the word? Oh, the Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah. So he's mm-hmm. a Kabbal- Kabbalistic, mm-hmm. um, is, it wouldn't be, are they rabbis? Kabbal- anyway, he studies Kabbalah. And so he's teaching his daughter the power of the sounds, right? Mm-hmm. Because every letter has this deep mystical meaning. Right. And and there's been um, there's starting to be even more Western research on mm. the impact of sound on health on. There's like sound thought.
1: therapy now. I yes. Think. Yeah. So
0: we're starting like and I love this is one of the exciting things of this time. Right. Is that the mystics and the scientists are beginning to agree to see the same things. Right. It's really exciting. But um, but this is something the mystics have known and practiced for a very long mm. time. That sound is very powerful. that it's very healing. And so chanting is something that is a part of many, many wisdom, traditions and religions. Um, And and with Arabic, with uh, Hebrew, with Hindi right there, every letter has a sacred sound and it's something that that, a sacred meaning. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we've lost with the english language and in modern times and i which is I, why it changes so much
1: probably over time compared to other, can other languages. Be. and it can
0: also be a part i think we're seeing we're seeing now we're starting to wake up to just how powerful language mm. actually is i think we've lost touch with that for a very long time and so it's not something that we paid attention to right um and so we're in this place now where people just say stuff and they don't think at all about what's coming out of their mouth and what the ramifications of that are and what it means and um and mm-hmm. so getting back to the space where you start understanding um there's a really amazing book by AJ Jacobs who used to write for Vanity Fair and GQ he wrote a book called The Year of Living Biblically mm-hmm. and um I don't I think he may have been raised culturally Jewish but he ascribed to nothing but he came into it with this idea of, you know, conservatives are always saying that the progressives are cherry-picking from the Bible. He's like, but I think the conservatives are cherry-picking too. I think everybody picks to fit their own idea. And I'm just going to I'm gonna follow all of it. I'm not going to cherry-pick anything. I'm going to do the whole thing, you know. So he very quickly sees that there are lots of contradictions, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so he does this sort of list of, how often things are mentioned in the Bible and mm-hmm. says, if it's mentioned more often, obviously it's more important, right? It's like teachers telling you things over and over oh, again. Yeah. You know that's what's going to be on the test, right? Okay. So um, so he he makes a sort of list of how often things are co- come forward. And obviously the things that are mentioned the most are the most important. Well, he found like almost nothing about abortion and gays, which is what people like to hammer on all the time about. But what he did find was the thing that was mentioned the most was watching your thoughts right whether that's angry thoughts sexual thoughts this kind of thing watching your thoughts and watching your tongue these mm-hmm. two are the things that were men- mentioned overwhelmingly mm-hmm. right um, and so so it's it's really interesting the right that the there's word. the power of the word exactly. so there's this understanding that sound um that sound is creative, right we bring things into being with our words and and the first person to always hear them is ourselves it 's mm-hmm. resonating in our bones it 's moving through our organs so um so's wholesome word yes yeah. and so we 've really lost we 've really like lost touch with tree. that, yeah, and I think that um i 've been and I want to find out more about this but i 've um there is uh writing on a celtic tree alphabet right so it's and so i want to find out more about this and it's also like moving into letter sounds right um but like every tree has their own vibration so they're making mm. their own noises and there are voices about this too in the quran about mm. Mm. trees singing right so um so there is a recognition of intelligence within other parts of creation but um but yeah, I think that like getting back to understanding that and it's something that I long for in English because it's something that resonates yeah. really deeply with me. Um and, and it doesn't feel quite this I, I have no idea what every the mystical meaning of each letter in the English alphabet, you know. Yeah. The,
1: um and actually in the four agreements too by Don Miguel Ruiz, um they, the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. Yeah. Mm. And he talks about when, when you read the chapter, he talks about how people use black magic, which is using the word to hurt yourself and or others. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Not very so, true. So the word is very powerful.
0: Mm. Okay. So for this next segment, um, one of the the first part of your book is really breaking down the word ikra, so mm-hmm. iqra so i q r a and iqra was the first word revealed to Muhammad when he began receiving the, the quran from from gabriel angel mm-hmm. gabriel and it's usually translated as read, read. Mm-hmm. read some or people
2: peruse you know study
0: and most people, they'll say, well, this is weird because he was illiterate. So
2: <laughs> so then no, other well, people... Have... there was nothing to read. Right, also. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't believe he was illiterate, by the way.
0: Okay, mm. okay. Uh,
2: but I do believe, and everybody knows that there was nothing to read when he was told to read. Because if it's, the story is true, then the angel did not come down with a book, and everybody knows that, if that story is true. Right. That story is not part of the Quran, by the way. So anything which is not part of the Quran, I... Do not necessarily uh consider 100 true but what i do know is true is that that was the first verse revealed right the, so first, the first word verse started with the word ikra.
0: so and some people translate it as recite
2: as recite to or, try to make
0: up for the mm-hmm. like well what, what are you telling this guy that doesn't right. read to read right? <laughs> right um but but you have pulled so much out of this and that it mm-hmm. you're actually and so this is one of the things too um and we're having this conversation uh like we would said in the first segment that you're really expanding the words and so um so i think uh look for podcasts and videos coming soon for (laughs) Wanda because what she has to say is so expansive and i think it's a lot easier to get that when you're speaking um and you know sometimes when you're hearing things you'll 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 have these stories and images spinning off from the word right so language doesn't really move in one direction in black and light black, black and and white it's it's multi-dimensional and moving Mm -hmm. in all these different directions and that's what you're seeing with iqaa that there's so much more there than just recite and that's something that that's what
2: the lexicon gives me actually
0: yeah so it's really this great way of unpacking information Mm -hmm. so yeah so yeah so
2: the lexicon when when i looked for the word uh the origin of that i mean the root verb is qara and qaraya and it has six components so they tell you, in, the, in that lexicon, uh, Ibn Faris tells us that this word has six components. When we look at those six components, then we understand why the first command he was given was to do Iqra, which is not about reading. As we said, there was no book, there was not or nothing. Or even reading. reciting, yeah. Or even reciting. So what, what the word actually uh, means is to gather, to carry, to deliberate, to witness, to time, and to share. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> and how powerful, right? That's a lot of meaning packed into one word. Yeah, into one word. Yeah. And as far as the story goes, which is, as I said, it's not a Quranic story, but it's, uh, it's narrated in history. As far as the, that uh, story goes, is that he said uh, he was reluctant or he was hesitant or he was uh, intimidated by that word. So, you know, people who, who, who don't know the meaning of the word would be amazed. Okay, why was he intimidated? Or why was he reluctant? Or why was he hesitant? What, what he was only asked to, to read. That's why they say when he said, I don't read or what shall I read? They said, oh, he doesn't know how to read. Right, Because well, they well, thought that's why meant, he's upset. <laughs> yeah, right. because they thought it meant read. You but see? Really, so that's why. But yeah. it didn't mean read at all. What it meant is that, that something is going to be delivered that you have to gather. And that you have to carry, and that you have to deliberate upon, that you have to witness with your full being, that you have to time properly, and that you have to serve and share with. So, and that's what the lexicon tells us is the meaning of the word, as was understood so many years ago. So that tells us a lot of right. his state of mind, and it tells us a lot of what his responsibilities were. Mm. So, as we're using this, and this is, you know, in in
0: in relationship to the Quran, which everyone's maybe not reading probably not reading but but certainly a way to sort of go through life and the last segment we were talking about how we've lost touch with the word and Mm -hmm. the power of the word and 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 as a result of that we also don't seem to know how to process information very well
2: we're having problems with this right now and this is what it's all about yeah so so
0: how can we use this idea to process Mm. information so it's about
2: actually when we look at it it's how we process information what we should do with it, and how the end result is that we serve and share. Mm. And and we go back to the whole issue of whom do we serve. Mm. You know, when we say that we are serving God, we're just saying that to ourselves. God cannot be served. He doesn't need, and he cannot be actually served. What we are doing is actually serving each other and saying we're serving God. Mm. Because the Creator would want us to serve his creation. So that's what we're doing. But we say we're serving God, just to, I think, give ourselves this sort of like, some Feels holiness, good. or. Yeah. You know, make <laughs> us feel better than make other Make us people. feel better, <laughs> right. And then, and then, you know, unfortunately, then we, we go on to say, so, you know, some of us, my God, and then your God, as if there's yeah. my, you know, my creator will be different from your creator.
1: As if by doing good things for people, you're only serving this God and not that exactly. God, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And
2: then what you're doing is just, ser- you know, serving each other, right? Maybe in the name of the creator, if, if you really love creation and love, you know, okay, but, but it's not serving him in any way. And so
1: can I just interject yes, something please. too? So something that I believe is that Um, God is in all of us, Mm -hmm. each of us. And so really, if you think about it from that perspective, by serving
2: each other, Mm -hmm. you are serving God in that way. So that's actually, yeah. I mean, the Quran tells us, well, I wouldn't say that God is in each of us because nothing will hold God in any place, Mm -hmm. in in any one place. But what the Quran tells us is that primordially, we were all part of God. And that's, you know, right. the Quran tells us that, that primordially we were all um gods, let's say. Uh you wanna call it his spirit, you wanna call it whatever you wanna call it, but it was all that we were there and we were uh part of of, of uh or, or, or related or linked uh to God in that way, in the spiritual sense. And, and that our coming back or, or, or uh, our coming to earth is a temporary uh, existence which, after which we return to him. Right. And, uh,
0: so there's very much an equality so and a connection there. There of, is. And the, the Arabic saying is, and there's something when every, there's somebody, somebody clinging, dies.
2: Yeah, the Quran says actually there's a clinging relationship you have to God. There's a clinging relationship. Everybody has that clinging relationship. You're never apart. Mm. But not that he is in you because he cannot be is anywhere, if you see what I mean. Well, the, he just the is. Whole, the no, wholeness of
0: it cannot be contained. He just is.
2: Well, is. I think yeah. you but and I are
1: talking about the same, the same thing. thing. It was just the word in exactly. was exactly. I, yeah. I meant it in yeah. in the more no, no, no. Uh, and then there's an <laughs> a, there's no. an
0: egalitarianism there too because it, the Arabic saying. I'm actually affirming seven, what you're saying. Okay, yeah. Yeah. all right. <laughs> people, I'm affirming it. When people so, pass, you, then Arabs coming. will say, "From God we all came, and to God we all return." So there's an equality there, right? And it's recognizing that that we are all headed in the same direction right. and and some of us may be on the return bent and some of us still have a while out to go mm. you know what i mean mm. but um but that we're all part of that right. that loop right. yeah
2: no actually i i love that concept that when people feel that god is within us you know i i, I love that concept because that that is true in a way it is true It's uh, difficult to define of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. It is. The words are always inadequate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so like, so if we talk a little bit about the like the gathering and right. the caring and the deliberating so, when we're coming yeah. into information.
2: So, uh, so, actually, it's all about information processing, uh, because the Quran tells us that there was a time when we existed on Earth as physical beings who did not have that relationship yet, and the Quran calls that that um our our early you know ancestors it, it calls them bashar and it calls them bashar which in arabic means a projection of goodness so we were here on this earth according to the quran we we're here on this earth as a projection of goodness but we did not yet have the cognizance mm. and then he breathed into us of his spirit uh, that's you know that the, the way it's translated um which which actually means that then something came into us which was of him and it was the cognizance. Qab- mm. So when that came, we started being called, in the Quran, we were called Bashar, we started being called Insan. Insan is from the root verb, anasa, which means to, to be able to uh, find comfort in each other and to mm. be able to recognize new things and to understand. So, hmm, so that, that's what happened later, which is why we're called insan from the verb Anessa. That's when the covenant. doing it quickly because because that's that's when it it's it, it will get the the most effect is, is, to, is to is to be a forerunner in that and to and to and to try and get it done quickly and of course you know how many you know occasions or, or, or we actually miss because of not having taken the right step at the right time mm-hmm. we didn't we, you got a beautiful idea you got a beautiful uh opening and then you just hesitated and then somebody else took it, or it just disappeared. Hmm. You know, so it's actually about sometimes it's it's about being not just timely, but sometimes also being a forerunner towards towards that.
0: Right, kind and of- I, I think too another metaphor that's coming up as well is um, gardening. Right, mm. like if you're mm. Mm. Planting, if you're planting, in a, the right a, season. you have to plant in the right shows season. You exactly, nature over and over teaches
2: again. you over and over again. And you know what we're talking about about being a forerunner would be would be something what we we might call today anticipating. So, for example, if they tell you that you know like uh, a storm is coming. You know what would you do, right? Or don't plan a picnic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, or about your garden, let's say. Let's, yeah. say. let's say a cold front is coming. You go out and you wrap your, your fruits, you know. Mm-hmm. You put a, something over your fruit Detective because a cold comer. front is coming. So it's it's also about that. So it's, yeah. it's about also doing things in anticipation. And, of course, the last uh, component would be to serve and to share. Whatever you do, whatever you learn, whatever you gather, whatever you carry, all the good that you've, uh, you know, uh, held on to yourself will have very limited impact Mm -hmm. upon this earth and people if you just keep it to yourself you have to actually serve and share if you don't serve and share then you've really limited the wonder of that you know
0: and i think too when i when i think about the way we're talking to each other so often these days right um there's a question uh that people ask like okay yes it's true but is it helpful Mm -hmm. right i think is mm-hmm. um, it
2: helpful to to tell people that is that what you mean
0: right because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are, there's a lot of anger right now people want to have other Flash people see, right exactly yeah. um and see the danger in in ideas that are coming forward and we maybe our intention mm. is to we want people to to see the danger in that right but we end up delivering that information in a way that doesn't help them see it, Mm. right? In a tone that doesn't help them see it. Right. And and if we get called on the carpet, then it's like, yeah, but it was true. It's like, Mm. yes, but was it helpful? Mm. Was it serving the situation? Or did it just make us feel better than them? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Something which hasn't taken uh which hasn't really been heard enough, I think. Uh and of course, unfortunately I mean it's in the Quran, but it has not been explained. So I, I think maybe I'm the first one to, to discuss this here. Which is, what is the opposite of awareness? People talk about awareness. And to know things, it's, it's helpful to show the opposite of it. If I, if I say, what is day, daytime? Well, you have to think of nighttime. And you say it's the, it's the absence of darkness. Or what is right. the, uh, nighttime darkness? The you know, say it's absence, the absence so of light. the light. Right. So it's always good to show the opposite of something so people can understand what that thing is. Now, the Quran puts awareness, it talks a lot about awareness and gives us the opposite. But it has been misexplained. So people, even Muslims who read the Quran have not realized what the opposite of awareness is. Oh, awareness in the Quran is called taqwa. If you, if you talk to a Muslim about taqwa, most Muslims would think that taqwa is about being um, uh, overly, uh, religious it's or, or, religiosity yeah right or mm. being you know very 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 pious pious no they, they think that that's it uh but uh taqwa is is awareness literally it is bewareness mm. but there's no such word right it's awareness but literally bewareness and the quran twice mentions its opposite guess what the opposite of it is it's amazing can't think of what the opposite of awareness would be. Aggression. Ah. The Quran mentions aggression as the opposite of awareness. They cannot be right. in the same place at the same right. time. That
1: makes sense because right? aggression comes out of that sort of knee-jerk response to um uh right, it's sort of that reflex of lashing out. and awareness it's a
0: it's a it comes from a place of lack right right. i have to take something from you or dominate you because if i don't i won't have enough whereas
1: awareness is the opposite of that whereas you don't have to react right away you're able to you cannot
2: be a person having both of these at the same time and usually the more you have the aggression that means you're wrapped up the in the less your own aware you will be in the end. That's right. so powerful. And the powerful, more you have of awareness, the less aggression you will have in the end. That's true. So powerful. Yeah. So it's not weakness when people are not aggressive. It's not out of weakness. It's out of strength. It's out of awareness. Yeah,
0: which is Brené Brown's message all the way. But yeah, this is really powerful because it's not something that mm. we. And it's interesting because I, um, when I was teaching for the World Academy for the Future of Women in China. Mm. I I have them watch Brene Brown's TED Talks, and the name of the TED Talk is The Power of Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And her thesis statement is that vulnerability is not weakness. Mm-hmm. That's her whole message, right? Mm-hmm. But I noticed that the Chinese characters, you know, that were running under the subtitle, that they were using the same characters for vulnerability as they were for weakness so no,
1: no. I was so frustrated right oh god and so, what a
0: horrible challenge and, and I was like Ted what are you doing and so so I wrote the the character on the board um and I was like what does this mean and they were like oh it means weakness right and I was like no 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 and so we had this conversation and the, the metaphor that came was if someone goes into an arena and they have no armor on are they vulnerable Well, yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Are they weak? Mm -hmm. No. No. You could certainly put arguments forward about the person that has all the armor Mm -hmm. is actually the weak one because they
1: need the armor because <laughs> they're armoring
0: up right, right yeah and, then, and then they're like, so insecure they got to get weapons too and right? that's, a, like, that's
1: like a classic thing that you see in stories too where you have this the you know there's a fight a battle between these two characters and one of them's all geared up and looks really big and gear. strong and <laughs> and then you know they're up against this other person that looks like you know they they've got nothing you're like oh, okay clearly that person's gonna lose and then you find out through the actual fight that actually the person without the armor and the weapons is a really skilled fighter and and they're really clever and they use the other person's you know so-called strength against them and and you Mm -hmm. know that's yeah so it's really it's one of those things you see sometimes in stories a lot of you know the actual strength comes from within Mm -hmm. yeah and not from
0: so we have the all these, yeah, in the in size. the Abrahamic traditions, it would be the David and Goliath story, right. is the classic. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that we have these illustrations for mm-hmm. that, but we don't we don't really think about them being in opposition to one another. We think that the opposite of awareness is is unawareness, un- unawareness or unconsciousness or mm-hmm. being asleep or mm-hmm. right. Um, but to to define the lack of awareness as being aggression is. Mm-hmm. Um, really powerful
2: which makes awareness an act also you know it's it's not just it's not just not passivity it's It's exactly yeah because aggression is a a very powerful act right yeah Yeah. so you're choosing an action so awareness is another maybe even more powerful state of being I would agree with that
0: so glad that you could join us today. And we are here to start a conversation, not be the conversation. So we would love to have you join us uh, around the digital campfire. Uh, you can come to the Facebook page, find Kitchen Table Alchemy, the group, um, and that's a great place to connect with other people, uh talk about what we've been talking about, also to find out where our next pop-up podcast is gonna be. And Pinterest. Find us on Pinterest. So that article that you were looking for that you've scrolled through and you can't find it, it's probably on the Pinterest board. So uh, go find the Kitchen Table Alchemy group over on Pinterest.
1: And for the latest episodes, you can go to our website, kitchentablealchemy.com, or you can subscribe through iTunes.
0: And that way it's downloaded automatically. You don't have to remember anything. That's, that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So we've loved having you. Y'all come back now you're here. <laughs>